Welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast. I'd like to share with you some thoughts from our podcast guest today. And the model that I guess I follow from that is servant leadership. So I lead through people by empowering people to be the best that they can be. But I set the example. So I, I set the example that I want others to, to lift themselves to. And then I, I guess I, I assist them in getting there. That was our podcast guest, Sarah Taylor. She's the Chief Operations Officer with the Conscious Education Company. She's been a Chief Technical Officer, a High Performance Coach for Business Leaders, an International Speaker, and she's been the World Bodybuilding Champion on 21 occasions. This is a great podcast. I hope you enjoyed. And I started the podcast by asking Sarah about her leadership journey. I joined a startup initially as just as a business analyst. So I started I started the, the company as a business analyst and product owner. And within three weeks, there was a bit of turmoil. Let's just say there was a bit of turmoil. And it ended up that six people left, including the COO and CTO. So I was essentially the most senior <laughs> person in the company in terms of, I guess, position title. So the CEO sort of sat me down and said, well, what do you want to do? And I just, I literally just, I have no idea where the, the words came from. It literally just it was like hashtag no filter I literally just said make me the COO and I'll turn your company around and I did in four weeks so oh wow okay where that came from I do not know not, nothing so, like a catastrophe to get you uh, motivated right. so, um, you know I literally went from BA to COO in half an hour flat <laughs> after only being at the company for three weeks. And what I didn't know is the CEO had actually talked to all of the development team because this is a fairly small startup. So there was there was eight people in the development team. What I didn't know is he'd already talked to them and they basically basically had said, if Sarah stays, we'll stay. I had no knowledge of that until after I, you know, I, I said, make me the COO. And yeah, we, we, we literally did turn it around from them. I brought, I brought structure, some discipline, some focus uh, to the company reorganized literally everything they were doing in terms of workload and and how we were going to start progressing the the software we were building at the time and within four weeks i got a 450 percent performance improvement and then we sustained that for the the following 15 months that was at that company and then i left and because i decided to move to queensland during melbourne's lockdown i was in melbourne so i i moved to queensland during melbourne's long lockdown so i did the whole hotel quarantine thing which was really I actually thoroughly enjoyed it because I was studying at the time. So having two weeks of uninterrupted study time was absolutely gold. So I loved the whole the whole hotel quarantine thing. And then within a month of getting to Queensland, I, I literally woke up one morning to a text on my phone from Christopher Duncan, who is the CEO of Conscious Education Company, and it literally just said, "Hey Sarah, you're in my med- you were in my meditation today. I need a COO. It's you." <laughs> that was it. That was the entire, that was the entire. Well, nothing, well, well, nothing like a recruitment process. Yeah. That's right. So. so <laughs> I text nice. Now I'm the COO of Conscious Education Company. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, well, congratulations. It's an amazing way to get to yeah. where you're going to get to. And I always think it's interesting when, where people will just tap you on the shoulder and go, Hey, look, I've got a job and I don't give a crap what else you're doing. You're going to do this role. Everyone would love to get that, that kind of recognition. It doesn't often happen. So. No, I mean, I was, I was absolutely flawed. Yeah, it kind of came back. I'd actually done all of the courses of this company. So they knew me and I knew them. And they knew they knew my my history with the previous company turning that one around. So they knew how I'd, I'd done at that one. So they'd obviously been just sort of keeping tabs on me. That's underselling <laughs> yourself a little. I think if, if it got to the point where, so hear me out on this. I think it's one thing to say, you know, people, because you've done some courses, a lot of people can relate. But to get someone who's running the business to be that confident that you could do the job without even blinking and then make it as important a decision 
via text to say you're in. It means that you've you built a, a degree of rapport. And this this is a leadership trait that I think sometimes is undersold, is having that in yourself and then being able to spot it in others. So that ability to spot talent is, I think, one of those capabilities amongst many. I'm not saying it's the only one that you really need to get good people in around you. Because if, if you're a believer that the CEO or the head of an organization doesn't know every damn thing, then having a radar for good talent is a good skill to have. W- would you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I guess we'd already built up that rapport, that know, like and trust. And that's very, very essential. They also knew that I was very, very competent. And because I guess because of where I've got to in my in the bodybuilding, you know, becoming 21 times world champion. Again, that's not something that everybody does every day. They also knew that I had the ability or what it took to win. And that's what they're looking for is is winners. You know, we're looking for people who have the discipline to follow through and really take something to the the next level. And really, that's where they got to with companies. Like we've got to the limits of where we are. We need somebody who can take us to the next level. So we're looking for an extraordinary person who has done something extraordinary to, you know, to get to the next level. This idea that those that are in high performing teams or a high performer themselves and are a winner, a champion, a sports person have some, I wouldn't say they're innate, but have a suite of capabilities that drive them to be potentially more persistent, more resilient, and more goal focused than the average person. Because I would I would suggest to you as a hypothesis that winning 21 times world championship of any discipline means you've worked out what the formula is. However, if you're a YouTube junkie, which I am, and I'm sure many of those that are listening are, when you hear some sports people in teams or individuals say it was tough getting to the first one it was tougher to get the second one the third one was even tougher every time there's an increase in winning something every new win has been that much harder to achieve and i think to do it 21 times is amazing because i know those first few are often extremely difficult and so my question to you is what can you unpack as someone who's been in that situation that gives you potentially a leg up on competitors in the same space this this is really interesting i mean cuz i just want to sort of i guess qualify one thing where i am right now is something is is somewhere i never ever even my wildest dreams contemplated would ever be a thing um i guess early on in my career you know i've been in it for 25 years 25 years so early on in my career i was I think it was my third third job, I did get to be made team leader. And I found that because I wasn't terribly self-aware, ter- terribly self-aware and didn't have haven't developed myself an awful lot, I found that I turned into this, this other person that this horrible person. I literally was a horrible boss. I literally was the the insecure micromanager person. And then when I did a, a, a I got headhunted by another company to head up a project. And I it just the pressure, you know, I just completely buckled under the pressure and I just turned into this, morphed into this horrible person. And I decided that I would never, t- you know, I must have decided at some level I would never take on a leadership role but, um, again because I just wasn't suited to leadership. Come on, Sarah, you should have told me this before we started the podcast. Sorry. Man. If you're one of those people, I would have said, no, we can't do the That's podcast, right. but at least there's a path to redemption. So there sorry, keep, keep going. Yeah, yes. So this, this, this is probably like 20 years ago. So I, I'd always done roles that got me to a certain level. I might lead a team, I might lead a project, but there was nothing serious. There's not serious leadership, if you see what I mean. And I, I fully attribute to where I've got to now, I fully attribute my bodybuilding and my rise in 
the bodybuilding world to where I've got to now in, in leadership. Because you're absolutely right. There's a certain level of resilience, discipline, you've got to maintain focus, you've got to be driven, you've got to be prepared to do what it takes, you've got to be able to take the knocks, you've got to be able to take the rejections, you've got to be able to pick yourself off the floor and just get back up. So everything that I've learned through the bodybuilding and the and the pros, the pursuit, I guess the routines I had to put in place to ensure I was able to do my sport whilst running a full-time job and coaching other people as well, I had to develop all of these structures and routines and processes that boxed everything up into, into chunks so that I was able to not only do the bodybuilding, so be the high-performance sports person, but also then become this high-performing person in work. And what I found is that the more I rose in the bodybuilding, the easier work became. So literally, I'd, I'd go to work, I'd get into work at half past nine after I finished my training, I'd leave it on the dot at five o'clock having done everything because I had everything in such such a great structure it became easy the bodybuilding has definitely helped and this is why a lot of I think elite sports people do translate into leadership quite so well because they they have to develop additional structures and processes to allow them to run these two streams the elite sports as well as whatever they're doing in their career with the bodybuilding I had to put systems processes and structures and routines in place to allow me to be this high performance person and juggle all of these multiple roles to me it's just an extension of what I've been doing probably for about the last 10 years now how do you define leadership to me leadership is it's much more of a sort of I guess an action and a way of being you know, you're, you're somebody who's a role model. And what, what I've noticed is in, small, in organizations, pretty much your organization takes on the personality of the leaders. So I was the example that I wanted everybody else to be. So I trained up the team in, in a methodology, but then I just was it. I personified what I wanted them to be. And as a result, they rose to the challenge and became who I wanted them to be as well. And the model that I guess I follow from that is servant leadership. So I lead through people by empowering people to be the best that they can be. But I set the example. So I, I set the example that I want others to, to lift themselves to. And then I, I guess I, I assist them in getting there. So it's really somebody who can not only see the vision, but also inspire other people to, I guess, to follow and be able to sort of buy into that vision as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, but very much so. And it, it leads quite nicely to leader capability. So I, I understand what your your theory of leadership is and we it's all very different for me. I think it's not much different to yours. I, I look at leadership as being of service to others, that when you're a leader, it's not about the you. And I think that for me is, is fundamentally important, whether or not I've always stuck to that in a practical sense is something different. But I, I think, yeah, that, that it, that's it for me. And you've defined yours quite nicely. Now, let, let's get a bit more granular if we can, specific leader capability. So in your mind, if I, if I had, to, and I'm going to ask you, if you had a top five or top seven or whatever the list is, what do you believe are those core leader capabilities? Okay. So, so to me, a, a, a great leader is somebody, like I say, who is the role model for the people they lead and you motivate and support them. So typical sort of qualities might include great communication, confidence. You know, you've, you've obviously got to be able to explain what you want people to do. And then you've got to have confidence in them to be able to do it. You've got to be able to inspire other people. And you've just got to be hold yourself to a higher standard of accountability, I think. Like I say, as a leader, because you're at the forefront, people are always watching you. So if you kind of do things that are not quite so, you know, not in integrity or you, you're sort of not taking responsibility for your own actions, then that is what people will see. And then they'll go, well, it's OK for you. It's OK for me. 
and then you'll start having this degenerating spiral of, I guess, uh, standards. So to me, accountability is very, very important uh, for a good leader. You've got to have empathy as well. You've got to be able to empathize, not sympathize, empathize with who you're dealing with. And that's actually, I guess, kind of one of my, my superpowers is I can put myself exactly in the person, the other person's shoes and be with, meet them where they are at. So once I can meet them where they are at, then I can lead them to where I want them to get to. Does that make sense? It's an incredibly important um, skill to have in that toolkit yep. of leadership, yep. I think. Um, I, I don't believe personally that most leaders get that bit right. And it can be for, I don't know if no legitimate is the right word, but leaders are so busy and organizations are so busy and there's so much happening and the speed of change, that's the rate of change coming at our small businesses, large businesses, take your pick, I think uh, sometimes takes you away from focusing in on the fact that you wouldn't be where you are if you're leading or owning a business if it wasn't for your people. And keeping yourself humanized in that way can be difficult because if, if you're on autopilot or all you do is think the business, it can take you away from the human elements. And I'm not saying that applies to everyone because I know that it really doesn't, but I've had enough nightmare bosses to know that for some people it becomes, there's a robotic tendency in aspects of leadership where, well, if it's worked before, I'll just keep doing the same thing. And I think you touch on something and I'll get your perspective on this if I could. An introspective leader, do you believe that you're that, you're on the way to that? Is that something that you work on religiously? I believe it, it's an element of good leadership, but that's only my view. Is that something that you practice being introspective? I don't think so. If you, if you look at a lot of good leaders, they do have a very high degree of self-awareness, very high degree of self-awareness. So yes, I mean, I've done a lot of personal development, um, and but I'm very, very aware of how I affect other people. So how I show up and how it might affect other people. So, so that's self-awareness I think is very very critical in, in good leaders because you've, you, you've got to have the ability to kind of take yourself out of the equation to an I think I think that's an element of being introspective I mean if yeah. you're looking at in if you're looking at inwards it could be we're talking semantics but no I get I get definitely get where you're coming from yeah. and I, I think the un, unexplored or less explored than I would like element of leadership is to you know if we had to build up a, a measure for want of a better word, of what effective versus ineffective leadership is. I think that one thing, the ability to see the world through others and to be empathic is something that I think is lacking in some human beings. Because I've, I've, met, some yeah. very, some, I've <laughs> met some very good leaders whose empathy levels you think do they exist? And with some, it's nothing but empathy and they become the kind of boss that people would jump on a grenade to protect and that um, and everything kind of in between. And, and this is the the joy of talking about this particular topic area because no one is one particular type. I think we morph into the things that affect us. And from what you explained to me when you intro introduced your pathway to leadership, I think you've probably drawn from so many different areas and taken the best of those things that you've gotten to where you gotten to i think what makes you stand out in my mind is that people in elite sports i think live in a different world to the normies of us that don't do elite sport and there's pressures to elite sport that the average person has no idea that they're there and unless you want to be a youtube tragic and look up the lives of sports people that really are fair dinkum about their travels i think you guys say very much the same things about what are the pressures of being at the top of your game and that's got to shape how you are as a leader i, I can't can't accept that it doesn't. For example, I mean, to get to where I've got, you know, 99.9% of it is, is the hard grunt work 
that nobody sees. It's the getting up at five, you know, five o'clock in the morning, cycling through the hail in, in Melbourne to the gym in the middle of winter. People don't see that, but that builds a certain level of, like say, resilience and characteristic. Sarah, let me ask you this. This is a question I ask every podcast guest and I'm going to keep the question in. I thought maybe for the new year, I'd do something different, but I'm, I'm going to keep this one because I, I'd like to see the thinking, um, well, sorry, hear the thinking of my guest. The nature versus nurture question, are leaders born or are they made? I'm going to say both. In my case, it's definitely made, definitely made. Like I say, I mean, originally the first couple of leadership roles I, I took on, I was the archetypal, horrible, horrible boss. You know, that micro insecure micromanager, you know, I ended up actually having a bit of a breakdown. So because the pressure, I couldn't handle the pressure. So in my case, it's definitely made. One of my team in my previous company, just the most natural leader I've ever come across. Like he just, you know, stuff happened and this guy just rose to the challenge and yeah he's just he's just a natural leader i didn't have i I never trained him once or anything like that but he just his instincts were just right and he just did the right thing so so i am going to say both there's never a right or wrong answer here and i've never had someone who's been i think we've had maybe one or two out of the 150 odd people i've spoken to thus far that have been on one extreme or the other that they're all just always made and never born i'm still probably 70, 30, 70 made and 30% born. Always in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is there this X factor combination of traits that just gets people in and gets people wanting to be part of your team or be part of your your circle and that that level of personal magnetism that that x factor that is very much a thing with some leaders and for others i think it's something that's built up over time and when i think when you meet that man or woman that has been in an industry for a very long time and you know that the words coming out of their mouth are not bs and it doesn't trigger your bs radar you know that they come from a genuine place it gives you a sense of assurity that you're you're in the right space but when the BS radar goes and I think Aussies um, from wherever you are in the world those living in Australia doesn't matter where you come from I think our BS radar is built up to a to a stunningly high level and so and and unfortunately and this is a maybe it's a bad trait of Australians is sometimes you'll call out people on their BS and maybe inappropriately but I think people feel it when you're not being genuine does that resonate with you yeah completely I mean you you can spot a fake a mile off so so yeah you know if as as a good leader you have to be authentic in your life when you meet bad leaders you can learn more from a bad leader than necessarily a good leader and you're you're a self-admitted reformed bad leader and I, I can't believe you did it I'm a more power to you I think it's incredible that someone would be able to say that what was it that triggered the 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 moment where you went yeah something's not right with the way I'm leading something needs to change was it other people or was it you look it was it was it was a combination of both but primarily it was me I was just you know I was exhibiting behaviors that just weren't me and I found that I was constantly I was just so stressed you know I wasn't sleeping well I wasn't um I wasn't, I just wasn't functioning as a person. I, you know, I'd have to go off to the toilets and, and burst into tears for no apparent reason. You know, I really wasn't handling the, the leadership part of leading a team. I just wasn't. And it, it, it really, like I say, it really affected me so badly. You know, I, I pretty much had a, a, a bit of a physical and mental breakdown. I think it's p- partly what was responsible for me to come into Australia because I just didn't know what else to do, but I just ran away. 
It's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'll run away. 12,000 miles. Yeah, I'll just leave. You know, because I literally I literally left Australia. I didn't know a soul in Australia. I left England. I didn't have know a soul in Australia. Made the decision to go to Australia. And six weeks later, here I was. So, so, so to an extent, you could call that running away because I was, in, I was in such turmoil and just hated who I was and where I was in my whole life that I just had to get away. And at that stage, I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on, you know, and I didn't, I didn't really know what else to do. So that's how I ended up in Australia. But uh, yeah, so, and that's also why it probably took me such a long time to get back into leadership. But then I guess I, I never really thought that, I guess, as I started doing the bodybuilding and I started getting more and more competent. And I actually started thinking of myself as this high performance person. I just thought of myself as a high performance person. I didn't think of myself as a leader. That wasn't a word that I associated, you know, so yes, I was leading teams and yes, I was leading product streams and programs of work, you know, and I started getting higher and higher up, but to me, I wasn't leading. I don't know what it was. I was just being a high performance person. I, I, I think I'd reframed it in my head as something that resonated better with me and wasn't quite as threatening, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, of course. I, I think where, you, where I would go with that is leadership sometimes is in the eye of the beholder. So even though you don't think you're a leader, others may have looked at you and gone, wow, leadership material, very in control of herself. Like that always is a perception thing too. And leadership is a choice. Yeah. So if you were saying that you got to a point where you you were working on yourself and being the best you could be as a sports uh, person in in the, in the context of, of bodybuilding that you weren't necessarily thinking of another way to phrase what it is that you were doing. But I, I think everything that you said in the podcast previous about about taking those things and applying what you learned in a business context is at some point you've made the connection either consciously or subconsciously and that's mm. been to your benefit since you've done that and look again it's an amazing thing that you'd be able to share that you did what you did and I, I think never I, I would never see it as a negative because a lot of people will stop doing what they're doing and move to a different situation I don't think it's running away I think it's more extracting yourself from an environment where there's nothing positive about it and it's a gutsy thing to go to a country whatever that country is not knowing any one and rebuilding and it kind of sounds to me like you like putting massive challenges in front of yourself <laughs> and trying to overcome you them. that did you uh yeah just just a bit um the reason i guess i guess the reason i suppose in, to an extent that i am another thing thing i am where i am is because and i'm going to touch back on one of the, the characteristics i said that you, is you need as a good leader which is authenticity and i guess i started understanding how people would follow somebody because i i used to write blogs um, I did the whole sort of physical transformation. I was obese when I was 40, lost 25 kilos, climbed a mountain. And that's when I got into the bodybuilding completely by accident sort of thing. But I, I, blog, I started blogging and I really hit my strides on my blog when I got into the bodybuilding and the lead up to my first show. And all of a sudden, you know, I'd literally write exactly what was going through my head and what was going on. If I had a meltdown, I wrote the meltdown. And all of a sudden I was getting comments, people going, oh my God, thank God you wrote that. I thought I was going mad. I thought I was the only one. And it was that realness, that authenticity, the relatability. And all of a sudden people were following me. And I think that's what, you know, good leaders, people will follow a good leader because they have that authenticity, because they have that relatability and that realness. Like I say, people spot a fake a mile off. And again, that's why people... I guess, follow me, do what I ask them to do as a leader, because I am real and they know that, you know, I am authentic and I walk my talk. Yeah, very much so. Look, uh, Sarah, this, this has been an amazing discussion. Final topic area for you, and this is a bit of hindcasting. So if you could go back and talk to a younger version of yourself, what would you say to you about being a more effective leader? Know thyself. 
I would have started on the, I guess, the inner journey earlier. What I am, and I think what, what a lot of good leaders are, we're lifelong learners. Every situation, you can learn from every single situation, every person you come across, you can learn from. And good leaders are lifelong learners because they, they realize everybody that they're, they're dealing with can teach them a lesson. That's what I would have told my younger self is, is become that learning leader and start knowing myself. I would have done that a lot, a lot earlier. Thank you. That's a positive way to end. For those listening, get out and be a lifelong learner, damn it. So for those listening, this has been Talking Leadership. I've been speaking to Sarah Taylor. Sarah, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you all on the next podcast.